0: Ek minute This could be a great intro
1: Hi I am Akshay
0: Hi this is Saurabh and you are listening to the Founder Thesis podcast We meet some of the most celebrated startup founders in the country
1: and we want to learn how to build a unicorn
2: Very few founders can claim to be as responsible for driving the e-commerce revolution in India as this guest. He started the last decade by setting up an e-commerce company focused on products for babies and children. By the time the decade ended, he had scaled his venture into a unicorn. In his next entrepreneurial avatar, he is supporting the next generation of e-commerce companies to solve the logistical pains. This guest is none other than Amitava Saha. He co-founded First Try in 2010 and then went on to create Express Bees in 2015. Listen to this insightful conversation between Amitava and Akshay Dutt about how to scale up business with a relentless focus on operational excellence.
1: Was there like an entrepreneurial bug biting you in IM or that happened later?
0: No, I think entrepreneurship was not... not uh that much in vogue in 1999-2001 although like you know a dot com dot com thing you know i'll you know, i heard some of the seniors saying you know i'm starting a dot com and not not in not in the campus though uh, some of the seniors uh, you know i remember i was doing my summers in delhi and uh, there was this you know freshers welcome party that used to happen you know where in different different cities, the, the freshers who were who at uh, it was a sort of alumni get together and freshers welcome, hmm.
1: Hmm. like a mixer, right? Hmm.
0: Yeah, so 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 if, if you have got admission, I am Lucknow. Uh, you know, you you joined the you were you were asked to join the freshers party there. In that, yeah uh, alumni would also come and old batches. And you have also the summer training. So I met some of those guys. I was I was in Delhi doing my summers in marico and there I met some of the seniors who are saying we are we are planning to start a dot com, and so on and so forth. And but you know uh, my 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 family situation is also very different. My father retired uh, during the last year of my engineering college, so I had to get into a job. And when I uh, quit my job to my MBA. I pretty much uh, took a bank loan um, uh, because my father was also not working. Uh, there was no members, so I got some scholarships from IIMs and used some of my savings to pull through the college. So, uh, so my my intention was very clear. I had to, you know, my family condition was that I had to go back to a job.
1: Right, right. You had to pay off your loan. Yeah,
0: I had to pay off my loan. Uh, my my parents were dependent on. me. Uh, and then, you know, I, I, I went, you know, obviously my father had retired and he had the savings, but you know, the, the as I said, he was in a government job throughout his life and, uh, he, he, uh, you know, he earned his, uh, government, so you, you know, he's his, all his savings and everything was, was from the government salary, you know, so which was, no which was not very sizable. So only thing I think he had, uh, uh, managed well, as, as you know, he bought a uh, land in Calcutta and had built a house. So, other uh, other than that, the savings were pretty meagre. So I I needed to I had to go back to a job. I was very clear. So so I am so it's just a stopgap in between adding a qualification to your name. But um, I was pretty much clear that I had to go back and join a uh, join a job.
1: So you joined NIT through like campus placements?
0: Yeah, I I joined NIT Tech. So it was supposed to be a sales... uh, It was supposed to be a sales uh, job I was supposed to join. I was very clear, you know, uh, from day one, I was very clear. I wanted to be in tech, but uh, I was... uh, once post joining IIMs, I was very clear I wanted to be in tech. Somehow I felt that tech was the field to be for future, uh, not IT, not marketing, not finance. Uh, but again, I was very clear I did not want to. Uh, I was not a techie by any many many Any imagine I still can't write a single line of code. So I always wanted to join the business side of technology. So, so somehow that thing was very clear with me. Uh, you know i had to join business side of technology i did not apply for a lot of i i applied for only few few opportunities you know i i i remember i applying for sapient uh and then uh i had uh, i had an offer from ramco systems uh through, through that uh, something something called startup started called you know higher than entry placement so I got a job as a as a sort of I think uh, business analyst or senior business analyst in Ramco Systems, and I'd applied for NIT because they're they they were offering sales sales positions. So I hadn't applied for any of the FMCG companies. I hadn't applied for uh, any of the finance companies.
1: Banking, right? Hmm.
0: So I, I somehow I was very clear. I wanted to get on a technology, and uh, you know I would I I would. I wanted to get into business side of technology but since the business side openings were not uh, not not so you know very very few companies came with the sales opportunities so so i i said why don't i get into uh, like you know uh, a pa or a business analyst or a business consulting role which would gradually you know i i and i said so in, in all the interviews you know, some of them cross-questioned me and said, like, why don't you then join a sales and let her come to consulting. A lot of sales people graduate consulting. Uh, maybe, maybe I now realize that no know, more, more those questions were trying to cross me and check what my thoughts were. But I was always, somehow, I was very clear that I wanted to join the business side of technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I joined NIT and. Uh, and it was, uh, uh, you know, I, uh, NIT picked me up for overseas sales. Okay. I was supposed to be, uh, uh, you know, I, I was supposed to be sent for overseas sales and they said, preferably I'd be sent to uh, Far East, Singapore. Okay. And uh, that was year 2001.
1: Hmm. The 9-11 thing happened then.
0: Yeah, no, even before 9-11, I think the markets were down. I think dot-com bust was happening. And, and, a lot of a lot of my batchmates, uh, batchmates had uh, company had com- companies deferring their offers. When, I, for example, my some of my batchmates who were were supposed to join I two from campus, you know, I two had come. You know, I two pulled back all the offers. Uh, then a uh, lot of US offers were revoked, uh, and or, or things were getting delayed. And fortunately, NIT let us join on time, and then 9/11 happened. And uh, then, obviously, you know, it was sort of a force majeure, and, and you know, every, every company is looking at, at restructuring or or you know, reworking the assets. And uh, NIT also decided that you know uh, it would reduce the sales force in the US, and and it was and and not only US and other parts of the world as well. So, so there were like, you know, uh, there were no chance for us going overseas. The fresh batch, was is higher, that got completely negated. So I was, uh, so I was doing a very inter- I was doing an interesting job helping the head of Asia back, uh, business, uh, with overall managing and uh, sort of EA to him and and, and business planning and, and doing a little bit of uh, marketing and so on and so forth, but I wanted to do front-line sales, so I was, was getting restless. And uh, so, bro, uh, within a year, I think just after a year, I got an offer for front-line sales from a company called Future Software in Chennai.
1: What was it that you were selling exactly? Like, what was the product?
0: So, I used to sell uh, layer 2, layer 3 switch. It was r and product. So, uh, so, so we used to uh, sell to, in Korea, you know, I would go and talk to various telecom SMEs and sell them the product on which they would make their enhancement and they would plan for, you know, bidding for making enhancement on the base product. They would plan to bid for Korea telecom tenders, which would happen, appear like, so, so this was 2003. Uh, 2002, 2003, that that I was doing. So, so they would buy the base product from us and build enhancements. And probably in a year down the line, year and a half down the line, they were planning to participate in a tender, which Korea Telecom would take out for the switch they would launch in 2005. So, it was it was a futuristic R&D telecom project. And NEC was another another one of my clients. So, uh, uh, so Samsung, NEC, you know, and, and, and I think I think the very tough market to be if you're in telecom. Uh, they're, they're both Korea and Japan, are tough markets. Um, and and we were a pure uh, data uh, routing software company. So so it was uh, it was not all it was not a full stack telecom software. For example, Hughes was a voice tax stacks has much more demand in the market at that point of time than data stacks. So we're a pure data stack company, which was, uh, which was a, which was a more, much more difficult sell. Uh, and, uh, so, so did well, uh, but you know, I, at that point of time, I, I wanted to join her. Uh, I, I was, I was handling Korea market. I was Japan market. I was doing well. Well, right from Mr. ramni to all the seniors, everybody knew me. You know, uh, I I cracked into accounts which which they have been trying to crack into for years, like Samsung. You know, they have been trying to get into Samsung for last seven eight years. They have got into to Samsung. I got them into Samsung. And uh, so 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 I was I was very well regarded. Um, everybody knew me. And uh, but but I don't know I was itching to get into a uh, a sort of uh, a smaller setup where I could contribute more. Uh, it was, you know, it is at that point of time I, I felt that, you know, I needed to get into something, I need to get into a semi-entrepreneurial startup, some something in a semi-entrepreneurial mode. That's the first time I felt and, uh, uh, and I was looking around and then I uh, I figured out uh, about Brain Visa, uh, which was in Pune, uh, which was uh, which, which was founded by Supam, who is currently my co-founder, uh, in two of the last two of my ventures. So uh, so Supam had founded, that, and I had couple of my batchmates working in Brain Visa.
1: What is Supam's backstory like? Yeah.
0: Uh... Uh, Supam uh, is IMA. Uh, I think. Uh, I think IMA in a I'm not wrong. Then he worked for two in uh, for a year or two, and then uh, in 2010, 2000, he launched Brain Visa. It was more of a test prep company at that point of time. So, so I think they were ahead of times.
1: Test prep like career launcher and uh, all of these.
0: No online test prep. So. So I think that the concept was slightly ahead of its time. So right now, for last two years, it's it's online. But at that point of time, uh, the, they tried to do an online test prep. Uh, you know, they tried to do uh, you know more of a career launcher rather than career launcher. That IMS thing, online IMS.
1: Okay, got it. Mm-hmm. And this was for mainstream exams like CAT and uh, exactly. IITJEE. So, okay. so
0: so so mm-hmm. there was there was no no classroom training. It was a lot of exercise, like, you know, basic, some course material and, and a lot of exercise. Trying to do a B2C company.
1: And how did he fund this? Because uh, I'm sure this would have needed funding to launch.
0: So, yeah, they had some funding from, from some, some funding guys. Uh, you know, they, they, they lost the money and then they pivoted to a B2B model. b 2 B e-learning model. Once the pivoted into B2B e-learning model, you
1: know, they never needed any money. So, B2B e-learning as in like corporates? Like giving corporates a e learning platform? Corporates okay. e-learning and, platform. And just a platform or a platform with content?
0: No. So, it, it, was, it was a custom content development program, projects.
1: Okay. 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 So, like a turnkey solution?
0: Yes. So, initially they tried, they were doing B2C selling, B2C uh, content and then they pivoted to a b2b uh, custom uh, e-learning solutions and uh, once uh, so in in the bargain they have lost all the money uh, the investors owned majority of the companies uh, majority of the company but once they pivoted you know they never needed that the company the company was generating its own cash so so the investors put in money in some business model which did not work in the first one, one and a half years. And then the company went and it became very profitable. Mm-hmm.
1: And this was what, Indian markets or uh, outside it India? It was
0: primarily overseas. So they started with doing some 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 project for LNT for tech and others. But uh, when I joined, they had uh, one client in uh, UK and they had one client in US. Uh, it was a very small company. No, I, I, although I wanted to join a entrepreneurial startup, so, but I, my, mm. my thought process was, look, I started my career with Tata Steel, which is like, a, um, and then, uh, then I was in NIT tech, which was at that point of time, the fourth largest, uh, software company in the country. Uh, and then, uh, and then, you know, uh, uh, future software, which was, which was, which was around, I think, uh, at that point of time around 16 million 16 to 18 million uh, run rate and here i joined uh, you know uh, joined a company which was barely doing like six hundred thousand dollars or seven hundred thousand dollars a year so so i i had my you know it was it was it was slightly co- uh, contrasting uh, thought, you know, uh you know contrasting i i would say uh, Contrasting positions for me, you know, I, I wanted to join a startup. Uh, I wanted to, and, and at that point of time, you know, one has to understand uh, that, you know, startups are not that fashionable. Uh, I'm talking 2003. Startups are not fashionable. Uh, and I was still like, I needed to support my family. You know, I was not in a financial state, state where I could take a risk. So 2003, you know, so, so I was having my, but you know, I finally, uh, took the, took the plan. Supam used to call me every day, almost every other day after I, I, he sent me the bond. And he used to tell me every day, the know, you know, I'd love you to join. Uh, you know, would, you know, because, you know, when he asked me, you know, how much do you do? I said like, you know, this much, you know, I, I felt like, you know, I said, you know why is your company so small and two years he said no no, i prevent it i said he was asking me how long do you think will take i said like you know we are at a very basic stage you should be able to rapidly climb out because i i do x amount of business you know as a sales guy you have a couple of guys like me you'll get out of the woods in the next couple of days next couple of year or two max and uh, you know he knew that you know i was one of those guys who had who used to do a million-plus uh, uh, dollars run rate of business every year, and uh, and he used to tell me, Amitabha, you should uh, you should be absolutely sure because you know uh, don't come and leave. If you if you it's okay if you tell me that you know you can't join and I will remain friends, but don't join and leave after two months, three months because you know that would be a very big shock to us. No, we 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 are a small company, we can't absorb that shock. So, so anyways, I I, I joined and. um,
1: Did you take a pay cut? uh, Like, or did they match your salary?
0: No, it it was not a cut. They matched my salary. Uh, So, you know, uh, but 2003 to 2007, I think it was a, you know, we grew the company. I I was heading this. I I, uh, I started with Europe and then rest of the world. Uh, super used to manage U.S. business and then I started managing. You know, but I used to handle the rest of the world business. So uh, it was a it was a it was a it was a very very good ride. So so we had we took the company from six seven hundred k to uh, a turnover of ten million dollars in four years flat and um, and it was uh, you know the 10 million dollars might not sound uh, too uh, very high right now but uh, two things you know that was way back in 2007 and second thing is e learning was a very very small field out there okay but we were big daddy in e learning globally so we used to uh, i had clients like you know Nokia had clients like Vodafone, Deutsche Bank, uh, uh, Novartis, and, and they were like, you know, so so we had clients like UPS, Microsoft, uh, you know, even government clients. I had like I, I had direct contract with Ministry of Defense UK. Uh, London Corporation was one of my clients. So and all these were headquarter relationships because e-learning was always controlled out of HO. So, so, so all these were like for I would I would work with Nokia at espoo school in Finland. I would work with Novartis in Basel, out of the headquarters in Basel. I would work with Vodafone in Newbury, Newbury, etc.
1: How did you become so good at sales? I mean, you know, to crack such tier one clients means you must have been very effective in doing like, uh, in doing high-ticket B2B sales, so, you know, like, uh, what were, like, your learnings on how to do high-ticket B2B sales?
0: I don't know, I think it came pretty naturally to me, so, uh, I I was, you uh, know, I, I was very, I, I used to be very, uh, uh, I used to value my time, I used to prepare well, I would think you know what would be the my value proposition i was very clear in defining value proposition both for me as well as a client and and if the,
1: so you would do a lot of homework to figure out what is a good value prop
0: uh not a homework but i would, I would probably within the one hour meeting that i did i used to do a very detailed meeting and 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 i used to meet a lot of people and seventy percent or 75 percent of them well, I would not meet the second time you know, I if, if I was not clear on the value prop I'll just politely say that you know you uh, know nice meeting well, let's keep in touch I I wouldn't go back to the but, 70, but rather like eighty percent of them I would not probably meet them second time so once that I figured out you know the meetings clicked and I had like you know uh, uh, we we feel we, we felt there was there was uh, value pursuing and so I used to I used to you know obviously get into details and multiple meetings and then close it. So uh, so yeah so yeah uh, so uh, very good right I think uh, Sequoia came in around 2005. They bought out old investors so so it was Westbridge initially uh, and then which became which Westbridge got acquired by Sequoia. So, Sikwaya joined our board. We uh, they put in some additional funds, although we're generating profits. We tried to acquire uh, companies in UK and US, and we looked at the 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 the, the largest of the biggest companies we had any learning areas in this in this in this industry and this, those geographies. But we realized that you know those were still a, a small, uh, relatively a nascent uh, market, and and. It would not give the quantum step jump that we're looking for and in the meantime in 2007 we got a good uh, all cash offer from a u.s company so uh, we sold brain visa in 2007 and uh, we exited in 2009 so 2009 and both me and superm exited Brainvisa uh in, in a span of like i exited on 31st october superm exited on 31st of december and uh, in 2010, September, we launched First Cry.
1: So that uh, 9 to 10 period, like what happened in that period prior to the First Cry idea? Like how, how did you, uh, how did that idea evolve, you know?
0: So, so you know, we used to uh, set an idea what to do next. So by that time, I know I, I was in a relatively better financial condition than I was in like you know, 2003 so in between at 3 years i was in london uh, since i was doing sales you know i did make uh, some good salaries and commissions plus you know there was uh, there was a little bit of money i put aside from from by from the sales i was i was uh, uh, okay i was the only non founder to become the director of brain visa so i was on the board i had my esops not too much a little bit uh but yeah so so i i had my esop so so made a little bit of cash from there uh plus you know i i was based in london for three years so so had uh, put together some money although like i had my family around but i i was i was paid handsomely or rather i decided my salary and it was always a percentage of sales so uh so so yeah i had a better financial condition and now this time I was, I wanted, after coming out of brain visa, I was sure that, you know, I, I wanted to work for myself. Me and Mood just go, sit, think, and ideate. So, uh, so then that's where the first cry uh, idea struck us because, you know, uh, during brain visa, both of us, like, uh, both of us at that point of time had one daughter each and, and you know. And uh, Supam used to travel a lot. I was based in London, and again, post coming back from London or prior to London, I used to travel a lot. So for both of us, for our daughters, we brought in a humongous amount of stuff from uh, OCs. Whenever I used to travel, I used to carry something back. And we realized something as simple as Johnsons. Uh, in India, you have probably you know one lotion, one oil, one, uh, uh, one moisturizer, not a moisturizer. You get one lotion, one oil, one powder one shampoo and uh, you know if you just go west or even if you go to singapore you have so many types of lotions moisturizers dry skin oily skin night time part you time know, you know the, the even johnson's was the range was much much wider and, and 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 obviously there are other lot of other products which you did not get in india at all so so we we realized that you know this is one one area, and 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 uh, we knew obviously India was uh, uh, we knew that India was was a country which which produced the maximum number of babies, and although like a lot of them would not have the purchasing power, but you know even if it's a percentage, that was a huge one, and uh, that's that's how the idea of first cry came to us, of the, uh, and 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 we we. Uh, we, we launched First Cry in September 2010.
1: We were... So, was was the plan to uh, like retail irrespective of online, offline, or was it clearly e-commerce?
0: No, it was e-commerce. It was e-commerce, know, it was more clearly omni-channel. So, we were very clear from day one, we'll start off as online, but we'll also have our offline franchise stores so so september we 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 took a bungalow and on then we started like uh, me and super you uh, know i think if i remember it right i think it was 9th september or something like that uh i still don't i don't remember the date exactly now i think it's 9th or 10th september so people in first trial probably know it better uh, uh I, I i i slightly don't remember i think it's 9th or 10th of september so uh, we we took uh, we took a hire we took a bungalow in 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 uh, Pune and we started working we created a small we hired four five people we created a small studio out there for clicking of photographs uh, there was one finance guy whom i interviewed on a roadside stall you know he used to work for a franchisee in, in a franchisee of i think Levi's or somebody in india in, in, in Pune. uh so uh, anyway, I put together a small team started within like, you know, uh, it was, it was a two bungalow complex within like one month. We, we, hired the bungalow behind us and used it as a warehouse. Uh, so we had internally set ourselves a milestone that we need to get out of this place by six months. We should outgrow this place by six months. And, uh, within six months, uh, we, we outgrew that place in three months. So, uh
1: but uh, uh, like uh, was the focus initially that you were building a like a digital interface and all that or was it like you have to go out and find a lot of good products which are not in india and import them and make them available no our, our
0: first our first objective was was to put together a good assortment okay because we realized that you know going around a little bit in pune and others we realized the shops which were doing well in pune at that point of time was the one which had an assortment simple but i i i think one of the thing is if you if you if you have a good assortment the mothers or the parents would block there because otherwise going to a small shop or mom and pop store even if thousand two thousand square feet the assortment level was pretty meager so so we said we said we wanted to put together a good assortment so so we studied a couple of uh, top uh stores of pune bigger stores top five stores of pune in babies and kids and we we made a list of, of uh, and obviously we looked at the diapers.com was there in us at that point of time we looked at amazon and, and we said okay we, we we designed the categories we decided we looked at what kind of products we, which are the catalogs which are the product category subcategories we wanted and uh, we launched it Okay, uh, so we had some back to how, how
1: did you uh, uh, get all the assortments? Like you had to like find the vendors and convince them, and uh, and did you
0: in, initially we tied up with one or two stores in Pune with whom we agreed that you know they send the assortment to us, uh, uh, or or they would give us the assortment at at, at uh, certain margins. So, you know, we said, "Well, since we are bulk buying from you, you would give." Me Say, you might be getting 20% of the MRP, you give me 5% of MRP or something like that. So, we used to, and we're very clear, you know, because the assortment was here, we said we want the products in our, in our warehouse. So, we don't want it that after we get the order, that was the most, what most other people were doing. You know, as soon as they got the, that's how Flipkart was doing. As soon as they got some, get, got an order, they would send, run, somebody to ganji or something, pick up the book. Uh, we are asking a company who was pretty much trying to drop ship. But he said that, you know, we would want the product. That's why we set up our own photo studio as well. In that bungalow, we had a fourth photo studio. We had a small content team, which would write the description. So we had a three-number content team with writing the description and, and, and a small photo studio. We had everything all. We have thought through. We said we want to do it. We'll not copy the content. We'll not, uh, you know, obviously, you know. Uh, you might not write, find the right photograph, or the quality of photographs in, in, in the website of, of the manufacturer it could be very, very poor and shoddy. So we said we will uh, click our own photo, edit our photos, and write our content, and, 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 uh, and, and put it up the, uh, through our, in our own website through our internal mechanism. So, so yeah, so so we we that's how we started first try. Within six months, we launched our first store in Surat. And uh, and um,
1: why Surat? Like, why not Pune only? We
0: wanted a we wanted a franchisee based uh, approach, and we're talking to people, and the first person to agree was the person in Surat. Uh, so, so we used to get a once we started, and we said we are looking for franchises, looking at the assortment. A lot of people used to bring us; they wanted a franchise. Again, uh, it established one thing very clearly: if you have a good assortment. If you have a winning case study in babies and kids. So, so then, uh,
1: how much did you do in the first year? Like 10, 11? Uh, like, w- what did you end the year at in terms of your turnover?
0: I don't remember, honestly. It's so far back. I remember when we had, uh, first day when we had, we 10,000 rupees of sale, I think after starting off, uh, I think 10-15 days we first day we get ten thousand rupees. We're very happy. Wow. So I don't remember the turnover at the end of the first year. I, I remember doing so so during that during that period I think uh, and we used to carry the customer care phones.
1: Okay. Okay. So
0: we, we we wanted to know how the customer felt and, and so one day in the evening I had a uh I had a call from SAF partners on, on the customer care phone okay <laughs> saying we we are SAF partners and obviously we know who SAF partners where but uh, they said we'd like to speak to the founders i said yeah i'm one of the founders and uh, so the coincidentally the person who made the call was Mukul arora who is currently the uh, one of the senior partners of of, of uh, staff which has now become elevation so that was that was Mukul has just joined Sam. And Mukul uh, made that call to me. I remember around 4:35 in the evening. And uh, and then we got started getting contacted by others, a couple of others as well. Then we realized what happened. We because you know we had not hit the market. Uh, we had a, seed, had a little bit of seed fund. GBUA was 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 trying to uh, had had form that deck, and they have hit the market trying to raise funds. And and uh, and. And by the nature, you know, they were they were approaching people, and and people would find our first cry, and then then they they contacted us. And I think people liked our processes and other things. So so whoever came and talked to us, uh so so everybody was interested in investing in us. Uh so so we had something like five to six offers for CDZ. And uh and it happened like without us planning for it. So like, I think Sam was the first to call. And then within like two to three weeks, everybody had come and a lot of people had come, talked to us, met us. When we started First Try, the babies and kids market was very unstructured on the supply chain side. And uh, that's how, you know, so I think we had bring a lot of structure in that market as well, because, you know, we helped create some large vendors. And we did it out of our own interest as well because we felt that was necessary for us as well as for the industry. And uh, and along the way, what happened was, you know, we realized that, uh, you know, our 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 customers were young moms who needed a good who needed a good logistic service. And um, and although like in those days, those initial days, uh, delivery and e express existed uh but you know the service levels are not up to the mark and uh, we had blue dot as well and we had first flies Aramax and others so we uh out of necessity we decided that we would have our own logistics And
1: so uh, which year did you decide this like to create in-house
0: so two years after after the venture we decided we we wanted we'll start off with our own logistics and uh and end of 2013 early 2014 uh is is i got approached by some of my good friends who were also like you know all the other e-commerce founders were good friends of ours because you know and some of them were also uh, young parents and uh, some of them were prolific shoppers from first cry so they had a first-hand experience of uh, what we called ourselves and first cry express so, so they used to order in in the uh, in the morning or early afternoon, and the packet would be with them by the evening. And uh, they they approached me and said, you know, would you mind doing it for us as well? We really like your service. We really like your service. And and at that point of time, we we're just serving in eight uh, top cities in the country. And uh, my only selfish interest at that point of time was okay, if this guy is also, you know, if I carried shipments for Say Snapdeal or a PTM or 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 shop blues. So those are the three people who would approach me. Uh, you know, I at least I can extend my service from eight to maybe twenty, twenty-five cities, and, and I would be able to extend uh, a better quality of delivery service to 1st cry customers in twelve additional cities. That was my only thought process
1: and the cost would probably come down because of volumes
0: yeah cost would come down no from okay another thing is from day one when we started the logistics my mandate or, or the band i target i set for myself was very clear i would uh, there would be zero capex okay and i had to manage within the budget that i would i have i had to deliver the packet within the amount i would give it to blue dot or aramax okay without so in those times so so in the first what we did was we used to serve delhi out of say just one one office entire delhi now no it would not mean so we had an office in bridgewasan warehouse in bridgewasan first cry warehouse we had a small corner of the first cry warehouse from where we would launch our delhi piece now I can't expect the entire Delhi people to become, or, or my entire staff, delivery staff, to come to Bridgewasan and pick up the load and go and deliver, right? It would become very inefficient. What yeah. we used to do is, we used to create bags in the night, put it onto a vehicle, and there used to be a supervisor who would go around the Delhi. And my boys would assemble at different parts of Delhi. Different, say, maybe somebody would come in Rohini, somebody would come in Subdhaj enclave. The vehicle would start at 4.35 in the morning. And then, you know, you would go down picking and dropping the loads and it would end in Mahurvia. The other vehicle probably would start from Gurgaon and, you know, dropping the load in the northern Saket and all those places and would end somewhere. And there's to be supervisor in the vehicle and then after dropping the loads, you know, there's to be some larger shipments like prams and other things, you know. So the supervisor would go around delivering the prams uh, and other bigger stuff. And the evening when the boys would come back, and the number of shipments were not very high the boys would come back maybe within two to two and a half three hours he would collect back all the shipments undelivered shipments and cash and come back
1: hmm. okay so, so you managed to keep it pretty lean that way like the costs are pretty lean
0: yeah yeah my my objective was you know okay logistics cost was always reported above your gross margin and we used to and, and first cry was continuously raising funds and we used to disclose our gross margin figures to our investors every week so so we had to like even if i bought a chair and a table for people to sit on i would expense that off i'll not take it into asset simple chair and table 3000 rupees so put a put a cost of 3000 rupees in in the weekly sheet and and you know and even that 3000 rupees should like match up to whatever costs we're giving to Budat and Aramax. What saved us that during those times was that logistics loss were pretty high by current standards. So, you know, so we could, uh, that's how we started. And uh, then, you know, uh, this three um, Paytm, Snapdeal, and Shoppus came through in 2014, uh, 2013 end, uh, 2014 beginning. We worked with them for a year. At end of 2014, early 2015, all of them came back and said, you know what? As far as service quality is concerned, you are the best guy on the block, but you are very small. So if you stay, uh, we can put more business your way. And that's how, like you know, I I went and talked to Supam, and then we went and talked to board. Board was not very happy initially because, you know. Half uh, the first cry is reported to superman half into to me so i was looking i was responsible for not only logistics I was, I was responsible for the entire fulfillment piece the warehouse operations um the offline stores of first cry hr and and a couple of other functions corporate functions so 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 the, so a the, the, lot of our investors felt that you know we should uh, the, some of our investors felt that i should continue focusing on first cry but some of the investors who had seen me build this logistics piece and heard about good things over the market, they were very interested. So it took some time to convince others. So by 2015, uh, met is when we decided that we'll spin off Express So So mirrored the cap table and I started Express
1: and- Okay. Yeah. So uh, what were the, like? Did the warehouses go to Express be Like, how did you split the logistics infrastructure of first cry
0: so warehouses are still with first cry so only 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 the the last mile delivery centers were kept with express fees. so we are, we, are, we are very asset light anyway as i said we would expense of everything we had zero capex so so there was very very there was almost no assets except some chairs tables and computers all the offices were leased So, so that's how I started Express Bees. And then uh, 2015, now it's five years in Express Bees. You know, I think Express Bees today is one of the largest logistics
1: companies in the country. Okay, okay. Uh, like, uh, you know, like, uh, can you give an idea again of the trajectory? Like, in 2015, when it was uh, spun off into an independent identity, like, w- what, was, what were the numbers like? Uh, it could be, like, number of deliveries or... The top line or the head count or whatever, and and how it grew over the years.
0: So, uh, so when we spun off in twenty fifteen, we were typically doing around twenty twenty five thousand shipments per day, and today we do around uh, seven and a half uh, lakh shipments per day.
1: Wow. Okay. Okay. Five years. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And uh, y- y- your uh, you said you cover about 2600 uh, cities and towns in india
0: so 2600 cities and towns spread across all throughout the country so we we deliver everywhere in the india except lakshadweep including andaman and nicobar so right from kashmir uh, to to kashmir to kanyakumari there from west gujarat to arunachal pradesh in the east uh, including all the seven sisters uh, as I said, except Lakshwadeep, we, including Andaman and Nicobar, we deliver everywhere.
1: Okay. Okay. And uh, do you, like, uh, uh, continue to have that asset-light kind of a model where everything is largely leased and... Uh, it's, it's It's the same philosophy okay. which is continued. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Okay. So where would you put Express uh, ExpressBees in, like, the overall logistics uh, space, you know, just to help listeners understand, like, uh, is it comparable to Delivery or uh, the other companies like Ecom Express? And what are the differences between them? Uh, are they similar types of setups or are they focusing on different parts of the market? And uh, you know, if you could just like,
0: yeah, so we deliver. and Ecom Express are competitors, so size wise, we and Ecom Express are pretty close. Delivery is slightly bigger than us, so we are a fairly large size company. So, and uh, uh and uh, by organizational design uh obviously each of them has its own nuances because you know uh, each organization is set up separately the design structure is separate but we essentially address similar markets where we say you know we do primarily e-commerce deliveries and right now both uh, i think ecom express is not uh getting there but you know both delivery and us we are focusing on b2b as well so we have we have started entering uh the b2b market and i believe you know, similar to what we did in e-commerce delivery, using technology to bring about efficiency and uh, bringing down the cost, we would be able to do a similar stuff in in B2B deliveries as well.
1: Okay. So, e-commerce business is what? You uh, receive uh, it at a certain point in the city and then inside that city delivering it from that point to no, the we, customer's we, house that we, is... can,
0: we can pick up anywhere in, in india and deliver to anywhere in india so so we can pick it up in surat and deliver in agatala pick it up in uh, uh say uh, say say bombay and and deliver in in jammu and Kashmir. uh we, we can we can pick up shipments from so we are an end-to-end logistics supplier so a service provider so we can uh, we, we can pick up pretty much from anywhere to anywhere anywhere we also do warehousing one of the very interesting things about a warehousing is we have the omni-channel technology so so we can help you do online and offline uh from from the same warehouse from the same stock pool uh, which sounds easy but technologically it's quite difficult challenging not many companies have, can do it in india
1: so what does that mean like a company could use your services for both sending the inventory to its retail stores and directly delivering to the customer. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. And when you say that you are now increasing your focus on the B2B segment, can you describe what you mean by B2B segment?
0: B2B are the traditional businesses. Uh, traditional businesses like, you know, uh, B2B, uh, B2B, we are focused on B2B express business, as we call it. So moving goods from, from, the manufacturers or factories to the to the distributors or to the warehouses or larger warehouses, smaller warehouses we serve some which we serve almost all the leading farmer names in the country we serve some all the leading uh fashion houses uh, and we also uh, work with you know, uh, you know these, these are like you know Aditya alitabella group we tata group we reliance we uh, uh, all the leading farmer names and pharmaceuticals uh we work with all
1: of them hmm, hmm, hmm. so this would be like a bulk goods movement like you would be moving a whole truckload at a time as opposed to the e-commerce business which is more of individual oh, a packets or a, or a part truckload yes hmm, 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 hmm. okay got it okay Okay. And uh, so, I mean, since you are uh, no longer in First Cry, but uh, is the equity table the same? Like you continue to have stake in both companies equally, like both you and Supam? Or is it like a, a, like a yeah, split I, I, up I, now? That... I'm still on the board of First Cry. Supam is on the board of Express
0: East, so So, yeah, I, I hold equity in First Cry. Mm-hmm-hmm.
1: Okay okay so how do you see uh, technology influencing uh, the logistics business do you see stuff like iot and maybe drones and things like those changing how this business is happening like you know what's your forecast on where the business will be five years down the line in terms of technology like what are like the disruptive technologies that can uh, shake up this market so you
0: know it's it's uh technology we are a tech-led logistics company so technology will play a very important role i think uh, you know iot and others are while while that is there a lot of work can be done using the technologies available today to make things more efficient in logistics simple uh you know how do you how do you route a shipment how do you uh, the challenge of finding an address in India you know we Indians you know we Indians write address in a very different manner than the rest of the world does right the rest of the world would write a zip code first and as soon as you write a zip code it' would narrow down to like six to seven doors and you then select the door and the rest is autofilled. in India you find like you know you will find addresses like uh, like the lane next to Lakshmi hardware uh uh-huh
1: landmark based
0: uh, two doors after sai baba mandir and all those things and uh, and uh, in, in there's a good chance there's there's a good 8 to 10% chance if you're on a if you're on a boundary pin code where like you know uh, the pin code could be either your area or your neighboring area as well or could it could be absolutely wrong as well so so yeah uh, so the challenges in in, in in Indian logistics is very very unique and and use of technology is is is, a, is what will help you predict a lot of things, bring in efficiency, bring down the costs.
1: Hmm, hmm. So you think there's an information problem, like the quality of information available. It's
0: not only inf- information problem. It is how you use technology to ensure better efficiency, reduce the number of sorts. Reduce the number of scans. Uh, You know, for example, in e-commerce, okay? Uh, The way it is designed, there is absolutely no pen and paper in any of the operations. So so everything is automated. Everything is through the system. We do not use pen and paper at all in any of my offices. I know we have around, you know, as I said, we, we, we have around, 2,000 plus offices, and uh, so more than 2,000. We have around close to between uh, so totally around 20 to 2,300 offices, and 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 we do not have pen and paper. We don't need a pen and paper. We do have printers, you know, some printers, but everything is on the system or automated. Even the run sheet, for example, when the boys take out the shipments from delivery, it 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 goes into into their mobile phone. So so it is about how do you bring in and that's just one part of it eliminating people that's rather simple thing but you know how do you route a shipment how do you look at how do you dynamically route a shipment based on the efficiency based on the situation you know how in which shipment goes in which bag that's where the technology comes into play
2: so that was Amitava talking about how he scaled First Cry and ExpressBees. If you run an e-commerce business that needs to get better with logistics, check out expressbees.com. That's X-P-R-E-S-S-B-E-E-S dot com. You like the Founder Thesis podcast? Then do check out our other shows on subjects like marketing, technology, career advice, books and drama. Visit the podium.in that is For a complete list of all our shows.